The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ask a Leader. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the February 12, 2013 edition of Ask a Leader. Among the cultural pearls in our midst, like two miles away from this station, is the Irvine Museum. John Stern, Executive Director of the Museum, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary, is going to be here with us in the first half. The second half of the show, we'll take it up with two or more co-founders of Be Smarty. That's Tim Nguyen and Veronica Nguyen, who claim they have one purpose, to change the world. We'll, sh- we'll learn why and what they're making the world a better place for as the Lunar New Year world celebrations continue. But before we head to a break, I'd like to thank Heather for covering for me last week. I had the pleasure and the privilege of joining a people-to-people group traveling in Cuba. Cuba. I'd encourage any one of you to go see what's going on in a country that's so close, that's 90 miles just away from Key West, a 40-minute flight from Miami. A country so close, about which we know so little. Licenses permitted to people-to-people groups are opening up, folks, for new opportunities for people like me. I'm not a scholar of Cuban culture or history. I don't have relatives there. I'm not a cleric. So opportunities to see the legacy there of Fidel Castro. It's more complicated than we've been led to believe stateside. That said, I've been in a veritable media blackout, partly attributable to the lack of any newspapers in our hotel lobby or the street corners. That, too, is a legacy of Fidel's. The sounds you hear on today's shows after this um, piece, Township Sounds, the other samples are going to be the high-caliber musicianship to which all the ears are treated all around Cuba. I dedicate this show to those professionals. They keep playing as though there was no struggle. Now, don't go away. We'll be right back. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. My first guest is John Stern, Executive Director of the Irvine Museum, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary. John Stern is an art historian and a recognized authority on California Impressionism, has extensive experience as an author, curator, lecturer, and teacher with presentations the world round. Among his many contributions, he was a consultant to and appears in Impressions of California, a PBS documentary video series on art in California and on plein air, painting the American landscape, a 2007 PBS video series. Mr. Stern was born in Casablanca, French Morocco, and grew up speaking French. In 1955, at the age of nine, his family left Morocco and immigrated to the United States as refugees from the Moroccan Revolution. As a naturalized American citizen, he holds dual citizenship to the U.S. and France. Welcome to Ask a Leader, John Stern. I'm delighted to be here, Claudia. Thank you very much. Well, first, congratulations on your 20th anniversary. And by the Southern California standard, that's a pretty substantial age. So let's... Let's talk about the inception of the museum, founded by Joan Irvine Smith, Atalia Richardson, Irvine Clark, and James Irvine Swinton. That's the museum's current president, and yourself. Tell us a little bit about that inception. Well, it was over 20 years ago. Um, Mrs. Smith uh, began collecting California paintings uh, 25 years ago, and she like the thorough researcher that she is, she began reading about the subject and kept reading my articles or my books and found me and we had a long discussion and she asked me to help her start a museum and and I told her I'd be delighted to and that was over 20 years ago and and sometimes it feels like it was only yesterday and sometimes it feels like it was a lot longer. So it's uh, something I'm delighted to be involved in uh, working with James Irvine Swindon and John Irvine Smith have been very special to me. Wonderful. And it was a lovely uh, reception that's kicking off this exhibit that's, um, I guess it's the best of the best of, of a fine collection 
that will be available for visitors to see all the way through June 6th. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the paintings upon which the visitors will be able to feast their eyes. I've done a lot of audio tours, and I think we, I know with your whole curating and uh, all of your background with Impressionism and, all, and, and presenting these fine materials that you can lead us around the extensive painters and maybe I don't think you can pick which of your favorite children are in there, but uh, let's talk about what people can see there. Well, it is the best of the best, but uh, also uh, please understand that at this time we have two other shows traveling. A show of 58 paintings that's traveling the West Coast and a show of 35 paintings that are traveling the East Coast. Um, we are fortunate that thanks to the effort of Joan Irvine Smith and her son James Swindon, that we have a very large collection and it is the, the best collection of its type anywhere. So we're able to put on three important shows, uh, one here in Irvine and two traveling, all at the same time because we are blessed with such a large collection. As you come into the museum, you will see the painting we are perhaps most famous for. It's a large painting of California by Granville Redman. Oh, uh, it's a stunning one. Well, you know, that painting used to travel, and it used to come down, and people got real upset because it wasn't always there. Oh. So we decided to just nail it to the wall, in effect, and it's always there, and it's become part of, ice, of our sign. But Redman, as, as you know, Claudia, was a deaf uh, painter, and uh, he uh, f frequently shows up in some of Charlie Chaplin's movies, which were silent at the time. He was a good friend of Chaplin's. And we have other paintings by Redmond uh, in this current show. We also have some paintings of the early period in California, usually associated with Northern California, a style called tonalism, very uh, darker, moodier colors, um, and um, it uh, flourished in Northern California from really right after the gold rush up until about 1910, 1915. And those are the precursor to the Impressionist period, which comes later. And our collection at the Irvine Museum is strongly built around the Impressionist paintings. Uh, the artists were active in California from about 1890 to 1930. And then we also have a small selection of the style that follows, which is a regionalist style or California scene style. So when you come to visit the museum for this exhibition, you'll see a panoply of American paintings, of California paintings, roughly from the 1880s uh, to about 1950. So you can get a good idea of the cultural heritage of California, something that, that very few institutions, schools, or other museums really specialize in. And isn't, though, uh, Granville Redmond the painter for the, that, when you're talking about that moodier look, that the almost the monochromatic seascape, is that his too? Uh, no, that, yes, that is his, the, the blue one. Oh. Yes, that's, uh, that's an Impressionist style seascape. The, the previous period, the, the traditional academic uh, period, um, when you did uh, outdoor scenes, and especially if you did sh shadows, uh, the shadows were in dark brown. It was it was a technique called brown sauce, and, and it's brown an easy, sauce. Yeah, it's easy to picture picture that way. Uh, but impressionism came in and decided to use uh, purple and violets for shadows. It's it's the complementary of of the color of the sun, the yellow. So um, when you see a blue seascape, or a, I mean a blue night scene, uh, you know that it's an impressionist inspired night scene. Now. Redmond painted night scenes both in the brown sauce and in the blue. But the one that we have hanging is one of his blue ones, which, which most, most people think is, is perhaps the most spiritual painting in the exhibition. Oh, it drew me. I knew at that opening, I knew it was going to be in there, and I, I just worked around that crowd until I found that one and just sat there. And, then, and, and the joy of these kinds of exhibits, a really good one, is where you can just hear what the other people have to say. And I must say, just I'm going to plug, this thought for everybody is, a crowded museum is not a drag. It's, it's uplifting because there are so many people that are with you appreciating the exhibit. Well, that's a good observation. Now, um, the, we actually have two of those paintings that you like so much by Redmond. Uh, one is slightly larger, which is traveling um, on the West Coast, but the larger one was in our exhibit that toured Europe in 2005. And when it was in Krakow in Poland, 
Uh, afterwards, we talked to the director there, and he said that that was clearly the most popular painting in the exhibit. And he said one person, especially, came to see it every single day. And uh, the, mm. towards the end of, of the exhibition, he would comment to the curators that he started dreaming about the painting. Oh, and um, first thing that came to my mind is, oh, my God, he's going to destroy it so nobody else can enjoy it. But luckily, it didn't happen. That's probably why he went so often, so he could just really, he could imagine every square centimeter of that and Well, you know, there, there's, there's something magic about those paintings. It really is. And, and if you go in, you can stand in front of it. it. It's almost like standing in front of a Mark Rothko. There's a spiritual, spiritual presence that envelops you, and it's, it's, there's hardly any detail there. And it, it's a moody, very powerful painting that you really have to see to, to understand what it's all about. And as I was saying in advance of this, and I didn't know I'd, I would register this, but it's true that, um, that it registers with, the, as I was saying, a, a, f a friend of mine, a Geneva native, who couldn't help but comment that these painters that we see there with, with their mountainscapes, they do know their mountains. So it does, it connects to everybody. And folks, I, it's, it's a place, if you haven't already been there, um, but first I must say, for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is John Stern, Executive Director of the Irvine Museum, now exhibiting Lasting Impressions, 20 Years of the Irvine Museum, the duration of which the museum has organized 65 exhibitions, 17 of which have toured throughout the U.S. and some of them, uh, as he said, in Krakow and, and other places outside of the U.S. And so uh, we're talking about how these these works of art are connecting with uh, with various uh, individuals. Um, but uh, what I wanted to say was that um, I've been known to nab a, a, a John Wayne uh, tourist or a friend. I'm picking up the airport and I take them straight to the Irvine Museum just to set the tone for the visit. Yay, and, Claudia. Well, it, it, I mean, it, it works. You just get, you walk out of the airport. You can walk, you could walk to the museum from there. It's probably a 12-minute walk at the, at the most. Well, let's say it's a very healthy walk. Um, the problem is getting out of the airport. Once you're out of the <laughs> airport, you can just cross the street and come visit us. Right, right. It is very close. And I, you know, I'm going to make it easy for listeners. You'll know you're at the right building. It's the only building of its kind in that area. It's the cylindrical tower with the American flag planted at the top. It's the tallest building. It's like a 17 or 19 story structure. It used to be up near the 12th or 14th floor, but you're on the bottom floor now. All yeah, the, you're, no, you're we're on the ground floor. The ground floor, that's yes. what I mean. Yes. But you used to be up there. So but anyway, the building is easily distinguished. So there's no mistaking you from the sort of the uh, the mundane uh, of their buildings that surround you. So and, Well, and it, it is the only building that we know of in Irvine that has an American flag, of all things. You'd think, you know, what a patriotic people here. And uh, there was a time uh, when the building thought about taking the flag down and the entire occupancy got real upset. Really? Well, those flags are huge. They're, yeah. they're like 30 by 50 feet. And if there's a big wind, uh, you know, it can shred it to pieces and they have to buy another one. But they've, they've stuck with us so far, and it makes it an easy landmark That's why spot. I like it. I'm not uh, super patriotic. My listeners know me. I'm kind of a, a fringe, uh, fringe patriot in that respect, but, um, it, but it does help us identify, as well as the height and the shape. So, and then, yeah. and it's, it's made easier. They'll, uh, they'll subsidize. They'll give you free parking in the structure nearby. There are uh, visitor slots that are designated so that people know exactly where, where to pull in, and it's, it's, it's made very easy to get there. Yes. We, we, we suddenly, in the last year or so, we started charging admission. Before that, it was free. But uh, if you're under 18, it's free. If you're a student, uh, it's free. All you have to do is tell us you're a student. We're not even going to ask you for an ID card. If you're a senior citizen of 60 years or older, it's free. If you're a teacher, it's free. If you're a veteran, it's free. Uh, otherwise, it's five dollars. Except for you, also have the second Wednesday of each month is free too. Yes, that's that's correct. So the second Wednesday of each month. There's so many, but we we digress uh, when we're talking. I'd like to uh, to get back to some of that um, the uh, the paintings and the various themes that are usually about half each go about a quarter year or sometimes up to a half a year depending. Well, every every four months generally we take everything down. It's a small museum. They're only about. 50 paintings, it's one exhibit space, and it makes it real easy. You can see the show in as little as 20 minutes. 
or some people stay there for an hour. Uh, artists have been there for three, four hours because they look at the paintings uh, very, very carefully. But uh, it's a very comfortable show. Uh, I don't like these shows where there are over three, 400 paintings, these blockbusters, because frankly, after about 50 or 60, you really don't care what you're looking at. So we try to make it comfortable, easy, and we change uh, frequently. It's one space, but there are several chambers, so that you're, it's, it even makes the scale more uh, human. Yes, it is very human, and it's, uh, the paintings are well lit, so you can see what the artists saw. Uh, most of our paintings are landscapes. Most of the artists that came to California uh, in the late uh, 1800s and early 1900s were not landscape painters, but they became landscape painters because of the beautiful landscape in California. And we use our paintings both as examples of important American paintings, but also as teaching tools for, for kids and for younger people um, because it shows the environment as it was before the large population uh, came into this area. And we, we don't want to be radical about this. We know that we need freeways, we need houses, uh, but we also think we should save what we can and we should make it available for future generations. So our paintings show us what we've lost in many instances, but it also shows us what is still there and what we can still preserve and, and be careful with. And what it shows us is how to behold what is in our landscape presently. I say that it. I look at a sycamore tree trunk in a more vivid way because of how those Impressionists have treated that. We get that comment so often, Claudia. People say, I've never really looked at this this particular hill or mountain or river. And after I come to your museum now, I look at it and I see it under different different eyes. It's, it's a remarkable experience and it's something that will stay with you forever. And ever, amen. Well, and also you were talking about the change from uh, certain scenes into the landscapes. There, there was once an ash can, is that, that's that genre, the kind of slightly industrial kind of ghettoized. Uh, there, and there was that one theme that you captured some years ago, and that, that was lovely. Well, the, the show I think you're talking about was a show we had two years ago of the uh, Hilbert collection, which is called The Good Life, which had the, the seamier side of... of uh, California life, but it was painted during the Depression. And uh, there's a marked difference between paintings before the Depression and after mm -hmm. the Depression. Mm -hmm. And we show that too in this current exhibit because there's bright, happy, cheerful landscapes up until about 1930. And then after that, it's a different scene altogether. Abandoned farms, uh, people in line, uh, street scenes, uh, nothing very cheerful at all. So the artists um, has a role in society, and that is to to record the, the, the mood and feeling of society. It, 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 and those are represented, and that's the point of this sort of, uh, this collective collection at, at this point. Let's see. Through, I don't know if you wanted to add a little bit more about particular ones. We've talked about Granville Redmond, uh, Miller Sheets. He's, he's always was mostly a local here, and he's also represented in this. Yes, Millard Sheets uh, is perhaps the most important California painter of the 1950s and 60s. Uh, he comes a little later, but he is in our collection because he's of that period that follows the Impressionist movement in California. Uh, we have some spectacular paintings hanging. We have one very large painting, and you can't miss it because it's like eight feet wide. It's of Mount Shasta. It was painted in the 1880s by a German-American artist named Frederick Schaefer. Uh, people always love that painting. It is so huge, and it feels like you're actually in the landscape. It, it surrounds you. It's a terrific painting. But we have a large selection of other uh, artists, some um, very famous. We have two by Guy Rose, who, per, who is perhaps the most famous of the American uh, Impressionists in California. And we have uh, gorgeous flowers by Franz Bischoff and by Paul Delompre. And um, we have landscapes by Paul Grimm, which are always popular. So it's, it's really something for everybody. But, but also, what the most important thing we have right now is we have work by children. Over the last 20 years, when a, a school group comes to visit us, they often send us back drawings of their favorite paintings. And we've picked out eight important student works by kids in the third, fourth, and fifth grade um, right now, they're probably, uh, you know, in college or something, maybe 
even older, but we've paired them up with photographs of the paintings that they are trying to to represent, and you'll see some charming and absolutely beautiful work by these kids. And that's one of the things we do. We concentrate very heavily on the school kids because they are our future, and they are the people that will will hope hopefully one day change the world and and make it better uh, than it is now. Well, your curator of education, uh, Dora James, has talked about some of those eye-popping moments. There's, can you tell us a bit about you how you target maybe some of the Santa Ana students who are dealing with minimal resources for this kind of cultural exposure? Well, since the very beginning, 20 years ago, Joan Irvine Smith and James Swindon have uh, agreed to pay for the school buses. Uh, in, in view of all the economic problems that have hit our schools and we all know the first thing that they cut is, is the arts. Mm, uh, yes. We decided from the very beginning that we had to pay for the school buses. Otherwise, we would never get the kids to come. They just, the schools can't afford them anymore. So we do that. We've done that for 20 years, and we'll do that forever. And um, a lot of the schools that take, take us up on this uh, are, interestingly enough, the Santa Ana City Schools which is really a perfect way to do it because a lot of those children uh, are recently arrived immigrants or they're children that have not had the opportunity to see um, paintings and museums. And they're the ones that are our most uh, frequent visitors. And, and we think it's, it's a wonderful idea. It works out just the way we wanted to have kids who could not otherwise come and who would benefit the most from being exposed to, to the culture and history of California. Amen. Thank you. Amen. That's great that you're continuing. So that the, 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 the foundation for the museum is able to be sustained sufficiently. I guess maybe revenue from your bookstore, does that help? No, uh, we actually, we, it was originally uh, paid directly by Joan Irvine Smith and the Irvine family. But uh, right now we have a support group called the Histori- Historical Collections Council of California, which gives us the money to pay for those school buses every year. So we have grants from various uh, private citizens. We don't have any uh, government money. We don't take any public money. And we, we work within the community with interested people and collectors and uh, educators. And it, it's a wonderful situation that, that works very well. Fine. For those of you who just joined us, we have yet still a few more minutes with my guest, John Stern. Executive Director of the Irvine Museum, as we're talking about the current exhibit, Lasting Impressions, 20 Years of the Irvine Museum. And that is, I, I want to remind everybody, this has been, this includes 65 exhibitions here, 17 of which have been throughout the U.S., and he's mentioned already in this interview that some individual works of art have traveled farther beyond than that and have left lasting Im- impressions on those uh, patrons beyond. It's it's wonderful to think about that. that. And I imagine the ones uh, that have they traveled some of these Impressionist works to places that are comp- are similarly uh, acclimatized like the Mediterranean scene. So they're, they're, well, they're looking at uh, the similarities in the Californian with the uh, semi-arid uh, regime. Well, regime. actually, uh, I mentioned Krakow. Right. Um, that's not too Mediterranean, but... That's but, but still, uh, we opened in Krakow in February, which is the, the middle of winter. And uh, we had people coming in uh, in huge numbers. And they went directly to the scenes of the sunny beaches oh. and the desert scenes and the gardens. And I'm convinced that because of our show there, that we've had uh, increased applications for visitors to come to California from Poland. Uh, you were mm. talking about impressions. Um, the, the key to the European show that we had in 2005 was Paris. So we had a show in Paris at a big museum in Paris. And when we were negotiating with the museum, um, the first thing that came up was that the French did not want us to use the term impressionism. Oh, like champagne, they own exactly. that. Exactly. And, uh, okay, how that end up? <laughs> well, we, 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 we figured we have to have Paris. And uh, I, I don't want to sound like Humphrey Bogart and say we'll always have Paris. But <laughs> uh, we decided to use the term en plein air, which oh. is French for outdoor painting. Uh, that was the first stop in the European tour was Paris. And they had huge lines, even though we didn't use the word Impressionism. But when uh, it went to Krakow, the next stop, 
they had a huge billboard right in the middle of downtown that said Impressionism in big letters. And, oh. and uh, the same thing happened in Madrid. Uh, they weren't shy about using the term Impressionism. So, but we ourselves didn't use that term. We, we agreed to the French uh, requirement, and it is historically accurate. It is not Impressionism in a strict definition of the French term, which is a style that flourished in the 1860s and 70s and pretty well went out of business by the 1880s with you know post-impressionism, neo-impressionism, fauvism, all the other isms. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's been fun. It's been 20 years of joy and we've done a lot uh, and we're looking forward to at least another 20 years. Well, it was very reassuring how engaged Joan Irvine Smith's uh, offspring were at this event and how they are, imagine, uh, operating uh, with the museum's foundation to to continue sustaining and look very opportunistically at where they can reach out to uh, other local and uh, international audiences to advance this uh, well, wonderful. That's, that's exactly what we're doing, Claudia, and we're, we're constantly looking for places to show our art. Thanks to uh, the Irvine family. And uh, their generosity. And their generosity. We do not charge when we send out an exhibit. It is, it is sent out rental free. So the smallest museum in America can afford our exhibit because they're free. Wow. Uh, so we've had, as, as you said, we've had uh, 17 traveling shows. And each of those shows, they may have had five, six, seven venues. So we're talking about 45, 50 museums throughout the United States that have had the Irvine Museum there and have, have spread the, the, the name of Irvine and have spread the, the message of California paintings and of environmental awareness. It's fine, just fine. Well, I want to thank you so very much, John Stern, for coming on Ask a Leader. John Stern is the executive director of the museum, the Irvine Museum, now exhibiting lasting impressions, 20 years of the Irvine Museum. It's going to be uh, there until June 6th. And for more information, you can look up their website at it's called irvinemuseum.org. We will remind you from Tuesdays to Saturdays, 11 to 5 uh, at the Von Karman Avenue location. It's very recognizable. I'm going to remind you one more time, folks, that cylindrical uh, seven, high, the highest building in the area, the flag plant on there isn't any other flag planted. So that's a, a patriotic and a necessary marker there. And it's free for any student, a child, senior over 60, or patron arriving on the second Wednesday of each month. So it's, it's a treat. And I hope that after the show, it's less of a best kept secret and known I and mean, I just as we close I'd like to hear from John Stern I have to back up is I I'm curious to know your I'm sure you're keeping track of the patrons origins how where are you is your base now is it mostly local or you find that more people are coming from far beyond uh, that this ring around Orange County no it's 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 within Southern California we have people from as far south as San Diego or as far north as as Los Angeles and the San Fernando Valley. We have visitors that come and visit us. As you said, we're very close to the airport, but it's mostly Southern California. And that's why we are so intent on reaching out to the rest of the country and, and to the world. Okay, well, I hope that this helps put a, underline it a few more times. Oh, so it will, Claudia. <laughs> Thank you very much. And it's been wonderful sitting across from you and looking at your lovely face. Oh, well, you're ever so gracious. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to be back uh, after a station break um, with uh, my next guest. They're going to be the uh, entrepreneurs as we acknowledge the Lunar New Year that started on uh, the, let's see, that was on Sunday, uh, February 10th. We're going to have the uh, business people who've launched Be Smarty, a, f a firm that it wants to do things do things better for the world. Um, we're going to bring them up here shortly, but before that, I'm going to, in this uh, interlude, while we'll set everybody up, I wanted to play you a piece of music from Cuba, uh, a, a, an, a group that we got to hear, Son Plus Son, uh, a beautiful song that they, well, actually, this is going to be the only one that I know you've all heard in the past. They do a lovely version of it. The other pieces you're going to hear are a little less traditional, but here it is while we'll get set up for our next guest. Thanks for joining me all. Y con muchísimo sabor, te 
el chanchan de mi amigo De allá de la loma Hey, this is Dr. Michael Drake, Chancellor at the University of California, Irvine, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and over the web at KUCI.org. I love Anita Radio. And I love my listeners, and I love my guests. I'm such a, I'm such a mood. When I ever hear Chan Chan, it just transports me. It's so beautiful. I know you've heard it a few times, folks, but I love Son Son's rendition of that. Well, my next guest on Ask a Leader are the two co-founders, and they are actually husband and wife team as well. The co- two co-founders of Be Smarty, Tim Nguyen and Veronica Nguyen, changing the one the world one small business at a time. Besides running the company, Beast Marti. Tim Nguyen is also the firm, with the firm In-House Inc. You still are with the firm. Yes, that's it, correct. That's what you're linked in. I'm trying to look for the most current bio <laughs> here. And uh, he is a son, the son of two immigrant boat parents from Vietnam. And he's a graduate of UCI and by his own pronouncement, a starter of both successful and unsuccessful businesses in different industries. I salute him for telling us what an enterprising and an enlightened guy he is, to, to put it in those terms. Veronica Nguyen, co-founder of Bismarck is also the president of Dainty Dandy, serves on Orange County Human Relations and SCORE Association. She was raised by her grandparents in a Mexican village in what she calls a very simple life. As a 15-year-old, she came to the U.S., overcoming the cultural default of becoming a wife and a mother at that young age, by our standards. She was educated at Cal State Fullerton. Welcome to Ask a Litter Leader here, Tim and Veronica. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Claudia. Well, all of you, you've assumed the legacies of hard work from immigrant parents, some of you yourselves immigrants. How did you come to form Be Smarty? And as you do this, of course, feel free to tell us about your backgrounds. I've offered but a shell of your profiles in my brief introduction. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Um Veronica, if you don't mind, I'll start. Yes. The idea for Be Smarty came because working at a in-house, a previous company, you know, we, we were, by most standards, successful at what we did, but we felt very unfulfilled. So what we decided to do, we took some time off and really looked at our life. And what we realized, Veronica and I, was we wanted to do something to change the world. That's what we wanted to do in our life. That's where we wanted to spend the rest of our times. So we put our heads together, and uh, we created Be Smarty with the help of another co-founder who unfortunately couldn't make it, Andrew Liu. He's homesick right now. Um, that's how the idea started. It was just pure inspiration. It's all about passion here. Yes. Veronica. Um, and like Tim said, it, it was all about passion. But most importantly is that when we were working um, at our other company, we were working long hours, and we knew that we wanted to um, do something else with our lives. We knew that we wanted to impact the life of others. And the best way that we could do that is by start a company that makes money and gives back to the world. And that was the really the, the passion. But most importantly is doing something that we wanted to do, something that made us happy. Absolutely, you know, the idea for Be Smart is really simple at the end of it all. You know, our dream here is to change the world. You know, people always ask us, what is it that we want to change? Couldn't tell you. We want to change everything. Whether it's obesity, hunger, energy, um, opportunity, we want to change everything. It's not because we think the world's a bad place. We just think it could be so much better. And uh, let's speak right uh, close up here so we can, and we got all of that here. I just want to make sure I don't, people don't miss any of that. So you've talked on your website. It's besmarty.com, B-E-S-M-A-R-T-E-E.com. You've got three initiatives. Maybe that'll give us a little structure for how you can explain what your charter is. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, what we do is we incubate and start social enterprises. So right now we're backing three, uh, which we've actually narrowed. we, We just removed one of them, Quantum Leap. Uh, so, for example, what, what we do is we call these things initiatives. So the Quantum Leap initiative was help small businesses grow. We have a second initiative we call Dainty Dandy, and that's to help cure cancer. And the Why third, Dainty Dandy? Uh, Dandy. 
Veronica, you want to? Um, Dainty Dandy, basically, um, the idea came from a dandelion. And um, when you look at a dandelion, you look at it and you blow on it. And the idea was that when you blow on it, you make a wish to to something good. Something good is going to happen. So for us, why not have the symbol of a dandelion uh, represent this, um, represent different cancers. So when somebody blows on the dandelion, they're wishing for somebody to become better. And that's how the idea came about. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's rich. And it's, and you're propagating those seeds by blowing into them. The force of your breath spreads, spreads those seeds to be propagated uh, more expediently uh, in, in any number of areas. I think that's a really formidable metaphor. Yes. Um, so the goal here is for everybody to be spreading those seeds. And it all starts with um, buying goods that are good for people. And um, for example, here you're buying something that is going to help eliminate cancer. That's the goal here. And our third initiative is what we call Master Plan. And this is to help people reach their, to live the life that they deserve, live the life that they dream. Um, we were in a very similar position where we thought we were living the life we wanted. We work hard towards it. We thought we had everything, but the truth, the truth was we didn't. We woke up and we realized that we were completely unfulfilled. And, you know, we run into a lot of people like that. You'd be surprised. Most people not are at not. at all. <laughs> I see that, that glaze on lots of suburban faces. So. <laughs> so, you know, what we're all about there is just to help people discover, share, and to live what we call their master plan in life. You know, we all have a master plan. Claudia, I think you're working, you're, you're living your master plan. You know, doing UCI radio. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I ended up here. <laughs> it was a new plan of some years ago. <laughs> yes. Um, but if you look at all three business models, it all boils down, boils down to one simple fact that people's buy, what you buy, determines the future of this world. So, for example, if you spend your money on a company that treats their employees badly, that doesn't pay well, that's what you're going to get. And when you grow up or when kids grow up and they get into a job that's like that, well, you are partially to blame. On the flip side, if you promote, for example, you know, one of the things we're really into is eating organic food or as organic as possible. So the more money we spend there, the more we tell the manufacturers, the farmers, hey, this is how we want to eat. So make more of it. And it takes millions and millions of people to start swaying um, corporate profits. So what you spend every day, you know, what we say is just, just think about what you spend. Think you before are what you, you buy. Spend. Exactly. Absolutely. You are what you spend. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. That That's exactly what, um, the way we feel. We feel that, um, corporations need to come together to make the world a better place and to keep America moving forward. So, now that's the consumer side. And so are you, um, by your organization, your business, how are you advancing that theme, that message to existing companies? We, you know, we don't serve the existing companies quite yet. What we do is we start up our own company. That's the point then. You're leading yes. by your Example. entrepreneurial examples. Absolutely. Okay. We want to show people that, hey, we, you can make money, but you have to make it in a way that does good by doing good. And what you do with those profits that you make. In our case, we give back 100% of the profits back to the world. Wow. Um, How you do don't you do have that? To, well, we do it in what we call 100%. Um, one third of it goes to hiring jobs, mandatory. You have to create new jobs. One third goes to new ideas. So if an entrepreneur comes to us and says, hey, you know, I have a really good idea for X, Y, and Z. Well, let's listen to it. And if it's something that we support, we will support it through those funds. And 33% has to go back to um, nonprofit causes. Okay. And I, f I forgot to mention in the introduction, you were found, you founded this Smartie a company last uh, January of 2012. So congratulations on getting all the way past one year. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, two Thank lunar you. New Year's now on your, on your service. So um, I wanted to um, just let uh, the guests uh, be known here, uh, listeners. You're listening to the two co-founders of Be Smarty, that's Tim Nguyen and Veronique Nguyen. They're also a marital pair, and they've, uh, they've made it from their, the uh, United, let's see, the, the, I'm trying to think here, your firm, the, from house, house. 
In-house. In-house. Is, your house is intact. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's really a marvel. Well, um, so who's joining up here? Who, who's, who's eligible to join you? Who's been joining up? Uh, well, when you talk about the companies that we support. Correct. Um, anybody is. You know, I mean, number one, we do have an internship program. Okay. So if interns are more than welcome to email us, just check out our website, In reach out. Besmarty.com, as I said, B-E-S-M-A-R-T-E-E.com. Correct. And there's blogging there so people can start to have their coffee clutches with each <laughs> other about what's working, what's not working. So anyway, you with they can come to you. And so do you sort of curate, do you jury them or do they, uh, how does that sort of transaction happen? You know, we just finished last summer of our first internship program. And, you know, essentially what it is, is you're going to come here. We're going to have some tasks for you. You're going to get to know the people. Uh, but more importantly, though, you're going to develop your own business skills. Uh, for example, we had a um, lady or a lady. Eunice is what's her name. She came in and at the end of the internship, she presented to us a business idea that's in the spirit, in the direction of what Be Smarty stands for. Okay. What was the business and how is it doing? Um, well, she hasn't started the business yet, and nor okay. did we back it. Okay. Uh, but it was a great learning experience for her. It oh, was okay. a uh, pet photography company. Okay. And this is a, a project for them because what we want and uh, when we when people come work for us, we want them to take something of value, wh whether they're going to they're students and they want to come with us and stay six months, three months. But what we we're trying to do is get them to understand the concept of Be Smarty. But for them to um, how can we add value to those interns? And that's one of the things is that we want them to create their own business with a social cause, meaning that they're going to help the world as well. Even if that company never never starts, but at least they learn something and they learn how to apply certain techniques and certain things that we um, help them along the, the way. This is a, a certain situation they wouldn't find anywhere else. And so it's uh, incumbent of them oh, well, first to find you folks and we we make we're making it a clear we're making it public now with this this message here but so are you uh looking to uci students uh, there might be a few that are already up and running around they're listening today they're streaming uh on the web at kuci.org um, or uh 88.9 in irvine fm they're listening uh so uh how are you actively recruiting by being present around the campus to bring uh, the students that have pa followed you at UCI? Absolutely. All UCI students are welcome. I mean, all for, for that matter, all students are welcome. The entire community is welcome. You know, internships is, is a good place to start. We also would love guest bloggers. Okay. We love people just to come by, say hello, and just learn about what we're doing. And where is is? I mean, I see you on the web. Where are you located? Uh, we're located in downtown Huntington Beach. Okay. Okay. And you can give the address. This is yeah. fine. Yeah, it's um, 300 PCH. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. It's right across the pier, so it's it's uh, also a great environment to be in. And, you know, uh, you can go take a walk at the beach after you're done blogging or doing something <laughs> that you, you love. May, you may be on a tear, though. Get that idea going in the, the beach <laughs> opposite direction and get started. So, so, and I'm wondering, because some people might sort of self-not select because they don't think they're of a business entrepreneurial mind. But I imagine that you're looking for people that are engineers, performing artists. There could be you're looking for anybody who's got an idea. It's not that they have already been majoring in business. Absolutely. If you come to us with an idea and we like it, we may back it. Um, ideas come in all shapes and forms. It doesn't have to be a software program or internet website. It could be the, a new way of doing business. It could be a new way of designing something, drawing something, new way of delivering a message. Innovation comes in many shapes and forms. Um, likewise, you know, Eunice, as the example I used earlier, yes. she wasn't, she never had any intentions of starting a business. After walking this program, seeing the entrepreneurial spirit, she wants to start a business. Okay. So we all have an entrepreneurial spirit in us, each and every one of us. You know, the concept of a job is relatively new in, in, in you know, human evolution. Well, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Survival, and then what's what in in your strength in surviving? What could that be considered as a vocation and a job? Therefore, absolutely. Oh, that's that's an interesting perspective to put it that way. Anthropologically speaking, well, when we first met, Tim and uh, and and Andrew was there. You were uh, with the film crew taping scenes for the forthcoming film Boiling Pot. What was your role with them? 
the oh, crew. Um, I actually wasn't there. Um, Andrew. Andrew. Is, our co-founder. Yeah, mm. he's a co-founder. He was an executive producer for that. Okay, that's um, a that's a also, project. Correct. And also, I think he's an early investor as well. Oh, okay. It's going to be an amazing project from, from what I hear. can't wait for it. To, they just got done filming last weekend. Okay. And folks, that'll be out. I was told when they finished taping here, recording that it will be out in February 2014. And UCI is a, a, a character. It's the scene. It's the setting for the Boiling Point story. But that's enough said. Well, mm-hmm. Just people watch for Boiling Point. So... Um, so we're talking about it could be anybody. It could just be somebody who's just inclined to to work on an idea, learn what an idea is and to how it could become a business. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other ways we can describe um, how this business can, it's, is sort of f- how we fertilize this idea with uh, students listening. Uh, maybe are you are there are you drawing on any seniors? They've retired and they um, they've maybe come late to an entrepreneurial kind of a, of a you know a muscle are, is there a broader demographic than just uh, young students that are wanting to start working absolutely and let's it, talk about those cases it, you know if you're not even in college yet you're a high school student okay that's fine um, if you're out of college that's fine as well you know the, the point here is to be in a position where all people from the community can get involved. It's not just about students. You know, when we use the word internship, that usually applies, you know, to a college student. But it doesn't have to. It could be anybody. Fine. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, there's um, there's still a lot of people unemployed out there. And what best way to do something? Um, because we do encourage um or employees or our interns to go and volunteer with the community um, or at times sometimes we go out together um, so you know come learn something new exactly mm-hmm. for for those of you who would like to know how you can get a hold of this enterprise these delightfully invigorated business and culture uh, uh, social socially um, uh, engaged minds. It's B Smarty, B E S M A R T E E. As I said, they also have uh, a blogging, and they're looking for for special blogging appearances on there. Absolutely. So uh, that's fine. And there's, um, is there something you can tell us about one of the other co-founders, Iris McGammon? I think she has an interesting background. Can you tell us a little bit about Iris? Yeah, I, Iris um, helped started the Quantum Leap Initiative. And uh, unfortunately, that's one of the ones that we are moving on from. Okay. But she's got an amazing background. Um, she grew up, you know, as, as a woman in a man's world back then. You know, when you look around nowadays, it's not that big of a deal anymore, even though there is some differences, um, you know, with women in the workplace. But back then, in the 70s, it was much more apparent, especially in the aerospace industry. So she made her career out of um, serving governments, um, military institutions, et cetera, um, back during those times. And she's from Hawaii, and her her father was a Korean and a, vet, a Vietnam veteran, and her the, mother was from uh, let's see, an Anglo American, I guess. That's correct. Um, and Iris has an amazing. Uh, she's not only an amazing businesswoman, but she um, she has this character where she when she when she goes out there and helps uh, the entrepreneurs. You know, she she has a passion for it and she's done that. She's been there and done that. So her experiences speak for itself. And not only that, but like Tim said, she used to be in a man's world um, and being in the in a man's world and succeeding and coming out um, with a successful business. Now she found her master plan, which is wanting to go out there and helping small businesses get to the next level and she's she's still involved but just the not the quantum leap part oh no she runs quantum she, leap she, she runs run she yeah. runs quantum leap okay um we brought her in um and we um we helped her get to to the next level <laughs> of the business and uh but she still runs quantum leap and uh to check it out you can go to quantumleap.com okay yeah and that's just another example of iris living her master plan okay you know she, she knows something and she wants to teach others and how old is she now? Because is she an older member of the crew? Yes, the team? she is. Okay. She's in her, um, yeah, she's 
she's easing. That's that's okay. all I can say. Okay. I don't <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. So that, we, but there aren't any seniors. So I was, that's what I was trying to tease out a little bit earlier in the interview. There, your demographic probably goes to a certain age, probably thirties or forties. You don't have that. Maybe you want to reach out to some seniors, though. Um, we do. We you, do. I think there's a lot of uh, great experiences that um, you know the seniors. So I don't know if that's the correct word, but they have a lot of experience that um, us in in a lot of young people may not know about. And how can we apply that knowledge yes. to the Be Smarty way? And, and so I think that there's definitely something that we can do together. Um, Absolutely. If any seniors want to reach out, um, share, give us a call, give shoot us an email. And the call, how do they dial you if they're not, uh, we don't have somebody's internet connection right away? What's the number to call? Oh, you know. 714, I can remember from memory, It's actually 855. 855-855. I forgot. Okay, <laughs> okay well, <laughs> it's on the website. It is. Okay. It, it is on the website. That can, they can call us. And, and one of the things that we are doing is we... Um, we go out there and we find interesting stories and we want people to come and share um, their master plan, whether they've dropped everything they wanted, they were doing to follow their dreams. And so we are looking for those individuals. Well, fine. I'm so glad that you could carve out some time from your busy schedules with your your tentacles in, uh, in the right way here speaking uh, in so many different enterprises and with uh, such abounding energy to to make more happen, to seek out fulfillment in your lives, not just about getting high yields from from your uh, all your uh, your work. So I, I really thank you, Veronica Nguyen and uh, Tim Nguyen, for coming today uh, to be on Ask a Leader. And these are the co-founders of Be Smarty. I want to thank you very much for being with me today. No, thank you. Thank you for thank having you, us Claudia. here. Well, it's a joy to have everybody come listen to the show. <clears throat> I... And talking with you next week, we'll have on the radio waves, <coughs> excuse me, UCI Nursing School Director Ellen Olshansky and hopefully Katie Ingmeyer with the organization Orange County Young Fun and Nerdy Meetup. I'm making it real for y'all. So hope to have your ear then. Now I'll close with a piece by Polo Mantanez of the Pinar del Rio province west of Havana, Cuba. He was born in 1955 and died in 2002. The song is entitled Emance El Nuevo Año and I want to say that's the dawn of the new year correct just make sure Rodan and I've got that right dawn of Emance you see okay and so um, and that is to tie it all together with the El Son de Cuba as well as the the new year theme happy new year to both you and to all thank you thanks for joining us take care next up is George Rosales with George Hat. thanks for listening everybody Amanecer y veo en el cielo una luz allá en lo alto y me doy cuenta que hoy estamos a primero que acaba de empezar.